Hey guys, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is David Dorner, and I am the teaching pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it is so good to be with you. Our mission in this world is to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus for a lifetime or if your journey's just begun, we hope that this message will speak powerfully to your heart, that it will reveal something that God desires to cultivate in your life, and that you'll be drawn to the person of Jesus as a result. We hope these next few moments encourage you, challenge you, and inspire you to be who God has created you to be. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, good morning. It's good to see you. Good to have you. And uh, happy post-Thanksgiving to all of you. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you could gather with your families, or if not, I just hope you had a great day just celebrating. Uh, We have so much to just be grateful for and thankful for, so uh, happy post-Thanksgiving, but you know know what that means, so Thanksgiving is over, Black Friday is now over, what season are we in now together? We are in Christmas season, so happy Christmas season to you. I'm excited just for the buildup, and uh, just as I was thinking about the season we're in, the new season that we're heading into building up to Christmas, who is the hardest person in your life to Christmas shop for? Just as you think about it, do you have somebody in mind when I ask that question, like who's the hardest person for you to shop for? For me, it's my dad. Uh, my dad is absolutely the hardest person to shop for, uh, for a variety of reasons, but the, the number one reason is there's nothing that he doesn't already have that I could give him. So it's like any tool, I mean, I could go to Harbor Freight today and walk through the most obscure aisle and pick the shelf and the thing that's like way in the back underneath, I could pull it out and I could go, here, dad, here's your tool. And he's going to look at me and go, I have three of these, but thank you. So I I don't like wasting money. I want to give a gift that he actually wants or desires. So years ago, I asked him and I was like, dad, I don't want to waste money on this. You know what, what do you want? Like, what can I give you that actually has value to you? And do you know what he said? He said this, I don't know, how about some beef sticks? I was like, I can totally get behind some beef sticks. So this is what my dad gets from me every single Christmas. Um, Especially for you dads in the room that are carnivores, I mean, this is a win-win deal. Some of you are like, this is a genius idea. These are jalapeno cheddar, by the way, if you're wondering. I get them every year, and here's what's funny about these, they last forever. They last forever, like you pull them out and they're like still dripping in grease, you know what I mean? Oh, they're just fantastic. So this is what I get my dad every single year because I wanna give him something that has value to him, uh, but but I wanna give him something that maybe he doesn't yet already have. Uh, In this Christmas season, I mean, God started Christmas. I mean, it was the gift that he gave to us. He gave of himself, he gave of his son. And so that's why Christmas is such a giving season. My question for you, just as we're jumping off today and as we close out the prayer series today, is this, what can you give the God of all creation that already has everything? What what, what can you give your heavenly father that he already doesn't have? What can you give the giver of life? As I was getting ready, uh, reading through Revelation, and Revelation actually sets the scene for the throne room of God with angels and different creatures and, and elders that are gathered around the throne. And here's what it says in Revelation 5.8. It says, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Your prayers never go unnoticed. Your prayers never go unheard. 
I mean, it's just, it's so cool to me. I mean, just thinking like, here's the picture of the throne room of God. And one thing that he cherishes, one thing that he treasures, one thing that he just loves, and he sets them aside, he puts them in golden bowls, are the prayers that you and I pray. The God of all creation loves to hear from us. Such a cool picture, such a cool thing. It's something, if I'm being honest, I, I often overlook it. Um, it's like sometimes I think my prayers, if God's gonna keep them like that, or if he's gonna hold on or cherish, like, like they better be good prayers. You know what I mean? We're, we're teaching Judah how to pray. So Judah is my three-year-old. And uh, every night before bed is when we usually carve out the longest time to pray. And so for, for probably a year and a half or two years, just as we've worked with him, it's like usually I go first and then Shannon will go next. And then, then we say, okay, Judah, do you have anything that you want to pray for? And a lot of times he's like, nope, you know, and so we'll go, okay, just repeat after us. And so we'll say a couple of things and then he'll repeat and, and on and on. But just in the last couple of weeks, he's really started to take on ownership of praying himself. Like it's so much fun as a dad seeing your son say, I want to pray. And so as, as he starts praying, he, it was funny, it was a week ago or two weeks ago, he starts praying, and it, it turns into this really long prayer, where it's just, he's got, and he's thanking God for his toys and his trucks and his macaroni and cheese and his chicken. I mean, it's like, he, it's so pure and it's so innocent. He's just, here's a three-year-old mind saying, Jesus, this is what I'm grateful for. This is what I'm thankful for. This is what I'm praying for. And so it's funny as he's praying, then he's still kind of forming his words though. So like, I'm picking up every, every two to three words. Like, okay, I'm getting it. I'm understanding what he's praying for. But then at a certain point, like this prayer, is still going. And we're like, okay, I'm, are you actually praying now or are you stalling, right? Because he's three and he's smart. So he, he starts praying. And here, here's what I picked up on. I heard the same prayer like the second time and then the third time. And I was like, I think he's praying for the same thing over and over and over. And Shannon, my wife, caught on to it way faster than I did. She actually cut him off. She's like, okay, and we love you, Jesus. Amen. You know, and he smiles and says, amen, because we have things to do, Judah, and you have to go to bed. This is, it's just made me laugh, like thinking about prayer and whatnot, because oftentimes I think this is what we do. Our prayers, if we're not careful, can become super repetitive. Uh, they can become circular. It's like all of a sudden we, we just start praying the same thing over and over and over again, or we break off our prayer because we have things to do. We have places to be, we have jobs to go to, we have kids to put to bed. It's like often, often we feel forced to choose between am I gonna spend some time in prayer and just be with God, or am I actually gonna go out and do something? I, I wanted to put this, this image up or like this spectrum. Often uh, our life we're forced to choose between doing and being. Being actually comes at the expense of doing. If you just want to be, if you just want to sit, it requires you to not do anything. And just if we're being honest, I mean, in our culture, our society, our world, whatever, our world not just celebrates doing, but incentivizes doing, rewards doing, I mean, idolizes doing, like the, the movers and shakers of our world do. And prayer feels like it's on the exact opposite side of the spectrum. Prayer is an invitation from our Heavenly Father to just come and be. 
You know how hard that is for me? I mean, this, this prayer series has really unearthed a lot of struggle, I think, for me in my life or in how I relate to God or in how I pray because I, I, I'm finding myself, I'm constantly, and I think so many of us, this is true, I am constantly living in the camp of doing and sometimes or occasionally or vacationing for a day into the B category. But when you live in do, and when you live by your doing, when you become known by what you do, when your value is found in what you do, eventually you're going to run out. It turns dry. It turns arid. It turns empty. We get tired. And so to be actually is harder. I mean, I'll share more about this today. But to be, when, it, when we come back and when we sit and we go, okay, I just want to be right now. I just want to sit and do nothing. Oftentimes, we're suffering from the effects and the symptoms of being overdoers where we start feeling just tired. We don't have anything to offer. We, we don't know what, what else we can do, and so we just go to bed. Or, or worse, we just turn on a Netflix, or we turn on a movie, or we turn on what, and it's like we just coast or just check out into passivity. God has something better for us. He actually demonstrated it through his son, Jesus. The passage that we're talking about today, it's actually really, really short. But it's really significant. Here, here's what it says. <clears throat> this is Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. What's interesting about this, this passage is before, I mean, we're in Mark chapter 1. So there's only 34 verses of activity that precede this verse. But at the beginning, I mean, it talks about Jesus and it talks about how he started his ministry. He was baptized by John the Baptist. He went and spent 40 days in the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan himself, where he was praying, where he was fasting. Then, then he called his disciples. So he went place to place and he called out fishermen and he called out a doctor and he called out a tax collector. He called out different disciples, different young men to follow him, to learn from him, to, to become like him. So he's doing this and he's traveling. And then in the verses right before it says he was healing people. So people from all over the town, all over the region were bringing like their unhealthy, bringing the sick because Jesus would touch them or Jesus would pray for them and they would be healed. And then people were bringing the demon possessed and Jesus was casting out demons. I mean, the first 34 verses are packed with Jesus doing. And then we get this one small verse this one short sentence that says, very early, before everybody wakes up, before the lights are on in the house, before the sun comes up, Jesus wakes up and he sneaks out of the house and he goes to a place to be by himself to do what? Pray. He retreats and he gets away just to be. Why is that significant? Because doing for God was never meant to replace being with God. Jesus himself, I mean, I, as I sat with this, I'm like, why did Jesus have to pray? He's God. He has no sin to repent of. 
And, and yet, here he is over and over. I mean, this is fascinating. All throughout the Gospels, I never caught this before, how often Jesus left the masses, how often he left the disciples, how often it was like he would do ministry and do a work or do miracles or heal people, how often he would do things for God and with God. He would do the work of the ministry, and then he would retreat off by himself and pray. Jesus had a rhythm of prayer that was different than everyone else around him. He would do, and then he would swing back to the other side, and he would just be with his heavenly Father. And then he would swing back and he would do more ministry. He'd be working with his disciples. He'd be healing people or feeding people, teaching people. And then he would swing back and he would just be with his heavenly father. Even leading up to the cross, you see this regular intentional rhythm back and forth, doing and then being, doing and then being. Jesus was so intentional by the way he lived his life to demonstrate you are not human doers. You weren't created to just do things. I mean, think about this. The God of all creation can do anything he wants. He doesn't need us. Yet so often we find our value or we find our worth or we find our schedules dominating the doing part of our life at the expense of the being. So look what happened here. Mark chapter 1, verse 36. So the disciples wake up. I have an empathy for the disciples of Jesus like no one else. I just feel bad for these guys so often because it's like they were constantly losing Jesus or they were constantly not following, like not understanding what he was saying, or they overstepped, or it's like they had the different, the wrong thing in my life. I have a lot of empathy for the disciples of Jesus because I'm like, I probably would have been just like that, like constantly trying to figure this out and getting it wrong. But here's what happens. It says Simon in his companions went out to look for him because they wake up and Jesus is gone. I mean, can you imagine just the fear or the terror just for a second? Jesus comes and he says, hey, I want you to follow me. I'm going to teach you how to do and be like me. So they go, yes, sure. Awesome. This is great. We leave everything we follow. Jesus is doing amazing things. You're blown away and you wake up one morning and he's gone. So they're scrambling. They're panicky. They're looking around. They went out to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, I love that. They exclaimed, right? Exuberantly. They're excited. They exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Why is everyone looking for Jesus? Because what Jesus can do, no one else can do. They were watching Jesus heal they're watching him cast out demons. They were listening to the way he taught. Nobody could do like Jesus did. Jesus had so much value for what he could do for others that, that everyone was looking for him. The disciples did not have a rhythm like Jesus. They did not have a rhythm of doing and then being and then doing and then being or they would have understood what Jesus was doing and waited for him to get back. The disciples are so similar to us. I mean, what's funny, I talked about this Christmas season heading into like right now. We have a couple weeks now before Christmas. This season, more than any other season of the year, is dominated 
by our busyness. I mean, just as we get closer and closer to Christmas, I mean, in years past, uh, Shannon and I, we've been married for five years now, and then we dated, I think we had a couple holidays before that. And every single year, I have family all the way out in Wisconsin and in Chicago. Shannon has family in Battle Creek and then here in Rockford. So we, what we have done every single year is we hit every single party. And we go place to 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 place. And I'm just gonna be honest with you, I love it. It is so much fun for me until we had a child. And then it was miserable. Anybody else? It is miserable. All of a sudden, it's like you're lugging all of their stuff. You're lugging a crib. Then they're whiny. Then they need to be fed. I mean, it's like this isn't fun at all. And it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Our season that we're headed into right now, it's just going to get busier and busier and busier. Then we got school performances to go to. We have parties. We have deadlines and goals that we have to hit. Like this next season we're headed into is going to be the busiest of all of them. The disciples of Jesus were just like us. They had things to do. Why? Because their value was assigned to them based on what they could do. So let me ask you this, this trivial question, right? Rhetorical, but this, what makes a fisherman valuable? What makes him valuable? His ability to catch fish, right? Not a trick question, right? If you are a fisherman that does not catch fish, you are not a fisherman, you're a boater. Fair enough? So, so how about this? What about a doctor? What makes a doctor valuable? Their ability to help people. Their ability to, to make you better. To understand how your body works and, and, and pair medication and, and help heal you. Like a doctor's value is found in what they can do to help other people get better. What good is a doctor that kills everybody they work with? Not very valuable. How about this one? What makes a tax collector valuable? This one's super easy. The hint is in the name. What makes a tax collector valuable? They collect taxes. The better you are, the more you do, the more value you have. Our world functions like that. The more you do, the more valuable you are. Here's the most counterintuitive, countercultural thing that I could say to you straight out of the text today is this. What you do does not equal your value. It's who you are. And more importantly, it's who Jesus says you are. That's where your value comes from. The rhythm of prayer the rhythm of life, the rhythm of ministry that Jesus has, it's fluctuating back and forth between value ascribed to you, which is being, and then doing what God has called us and invited us to partner with him in doing. We swing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, where most of us run into trouble when marriages start blowing up, when we start losing jobs, when finances go awry, when relationships begin breaking, when things like anxiety or depression get the worst, is when we camp on the do side of the pendulum and we neglect being altogether. Jesus established a rhythm of relating with God that moves from being to doing and then back to being. 
Here's the tension for me. If the Son of God prioritized prayer as a means of being with his heavenly Father, why do I feel like it's anything less than vital for my life? Luke 5, 16 says this. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. If you read through all four of the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four narratives of the life of Jesus, you will find these verses just like this one, very short, very obscure, all throughout. Jesus, Jesus would do things that capture my attention, right? Jesus would feed 5,000 people from, from like a lunchbox meal. And he feeds all these people or he's healing people in droves or he's casting out demons. Jesus would do these incredible things on behalf of his heavenly father. And I would miss the verse that followed right after and then Jesus withdrew. And then he went away. And then he distanced himself from his disciples. Jesus' rhythm is so easy for us to miss because the things we love about Jesus is when he does stuff. The things that we love about our lives are when we do stuff. But the invitation for true life is to come be with our heavenly father. To have a rhythm of regularity in our relationship with him. Why? Because doing for God was never meant to replace being with God. John 15 says this, Jesus is talking, and he says, remain in me as, also, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So I, I have a tree on my, or in my yard. Uh, it's just a little pine tree. I planted it with a bunch of other ones this last spring, and uh, it started dying. So it started, it was weird, it started getting diseased, started at the top, and I could see like branches like turning brown, and then it was moving down and moving down and spreading. And so eventually, just after I did homework and talked to a couple different experts, they're like, it's kind of just seems like the tree is diseased. But like it was still alive, like, it was still functioning. I mean, it still had green needles, but like a lot of the needles looked like this. So I, I cut it down like three or four weeks ago. Uh, and I kept it, because that's weird. I, I kept the tree, and I threw it behind, uh, like, a shed. And so, last night, like, I, as I was driving home, I'm like, I still have that tree. I wonder what that looks like. So, I went out this morning, and uh, this is the branch that I clipped from it, and this is, this is it, so, right? So, I, I read John 15, remain in me as I also remain in you. The word remain means abide, means rest, stop, just be. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. As soon as we become untapped, unconnected, disconnected, fill in the blank, as soon as we, as soon as we get independent and we camp out, we pinch a tent in the do category of our life, this is what happens. All of a sudden, I mean, it's really funny. It, we get brittle. We get dry. Um, we get anxious. I mean, there's no more fruit. There's no more life. 
mean, like, it, it's crazy too. Like the substance of the, it's, it's light. It's airy. Do you know what happens to a tree that dies in the woods? Eventually it just falls over. It just breaks in half. I was out hunting yesterday. I had to crawl through one of them. It fell right across the path and every, every part of it is just dead. Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you only just do, this is the outcome. You, you won't have anything of value for anybody else. You'll be brittle, you'll be weak, you'll be falling apart. And you know, it's funny, like when the storm comes, storms can be detrimental to branches that are no longer attached to the vine. But here's what he says right after. He says this, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is another pine tree on our yard uh, that I clipped a branch of this morning. Notice the difference. I mean, it's even, it's moving. It's wiggling. It's weird. It's green. It's flexible. Right? I mean, it's full of life. It's healthy. I mean, as you compare the two, one is dead and one is alive. And Jesus is saying, this is what I have to offer you. Because the storm rolls in and this thing gets really flexible. It, it bears fruit. It maintains its shape. In fact, it continues to grow. And it gets bigger. And it gets stronger. And it continues to get healthier. Jesus is saying, when you are attached to me as the vine, this will be the outcome of your life. So if our value is found in our doing, this is what we will end up with. But if our value, and if our rhythm can be established in our being, and only our doing comes out of our being, Jesus is saying, you can't do anything without me, but with me, what you do will actually bear fruit. It'll last. It'll make a difference. It'll, it'll make a difference in your life, in your family's life, in, in your workplace, in your school, in your marriage. When you're established and rooted and grounded in me, it actually changes everything. So this past week, um, I've been tired. I, I've actually felt like in the last couple weeks or months, like I felt like I've been in one of these seasons. I find myself getting more irritable, more frustrated, more angry, more stressed, more short with people. I mean, it's, I, I find myself like this. I'm getting more and more and more frustrated and seemingly more and more and more brittle. So all, all throughout this last week, I've been looking for different opportunities just, just to be. I'm out hunting in the woods. I mean, I had, I had my phone. It's crazy how distracting this is and how much it prevents us from just being. So I, I turned on do not disturb mode. I put it in my pocket and I went, what, what does it feel like if I just be? It was so hard. My eye was twitching. I was so tired. I'm like, God's going, you're, you're doing life without me. Come back to the source. 
Last night I turned on, it was like a Hillsong, the band, the artist. I turned on a Hillsong concert. So Saturday nights before preaching, it's like I just I come in here and I pray. Uh, I worship, I sing, uh, I do final prep, slides, whatever. Last night I came in and I went, I just need to be. I just need to sit. And my prayer was this, God, would you just minister to me? So I turned on this concert. I played it for an hour. And I just sat. I sat right over here in the front for an hour and just let it minister to me. And it did. The invite that I have for you today is to do the exact same thing. We changed our worship set today so that actually the back half is where a lot of the music is. So in this next song, especially, if you just need to sit, just sit. We have this prayer room over here that's been set up now for the last three and a half weeks. If you haven't personally yet had the opportunity to go utilize it, do it. Sit and just rest. Just be, just spend time with your heavenly father. Reconnect to the vine. And I want to ask you, imagine what it could look like, how different your life could be if you say, this is what I'm going to do this season. I'm not gonna get pulled into the busyness. I'm not gonna get pulled into the stress. I'm not gonna get pulled into the doing. I'm just going to sit and be. The word Emmanuel has come up multiple times this morning. It just means God with us. The God of all creation didn't just do for us, but he wants to be with us. So that's what we're gonna do. So let me pray for us, and then whatever you need to do, go for it. God, we just come before you right now. A lot of us tired. A lot of us are stressed. A lot of us feel distant. A lot of us feel brittle right now. A lot of us feel empty. A lot of us are looking ahead even to what this next month holds. And we're also keeping an eye on COVID and a lot of people who are either being affected or have friends or family who are close to them that are being affected right now. We just lay that at your feet, God. I just pray that even in this space that we've carved out today, we, we just pray uh, that you would invite us to step into your presence. That we would find what we need, that we would find what we're looking for in you that it wouldn't be about doing. It wouldn't be about what we can do for you or what we have done for you or about what you can or have done for us, but that it would just be about being with you. God, minister to us right now. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We love you and we pray this in his name.